Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Louder Vision podcast for creative people. Before we meet today's guests and chat about pitching your next project, we have to create it. And for filmmakers, one thing we always need is royalty-free sound effects and music. Royalty-free just means that you can use these elements freely in your videos and social media content. You can post them online, make money, and have fun creating without worrying about getting sued. So no strings attached and no permission needed. You'll get unlimited stock audio downloads for less than $100 with my special link to Audioblocks, which you'll find on my website, loudavision.com. Unlike almost all other stock music sites, you're getting an unlimited amount of downloads for one full year. You can download and use as many tracks as you need and keep using it forever. Even if you cancel your subscription after the first year, it's still yours to keep. And you're not paying per track or per use or per year, which is what I did for a long time with other sites. I was paying at least $30 per song and then finding out that that track didn't work for my project and there was no refund. So I wasted a lot of money, but that was the only way until now. So if you need affordable music or sound effects for your project right now and you can't wait for a composer, try Audioblocks with my special 90% off discount code available now at loudavision.com. Let's get started with today's Loudavision podcast for creative people. So we want to share our projects that we spent so long creating and get them out there to as many people as possible. But mastering the art of the pitch is not as easy as it sounds. So my guest today is Squeaky Moore. She's the author of 100 Pitches, Mistakes I've Made So You Don't Have To. Squeaky is an actress, a writer, director, and producer. She's been featured in Huffington Post on Centric TV, and she's dubbed a woman to watch in Ambition Magazine. She's also created The Pitch 101, a blog and resource to help content creators get their independent projects onto the big screen. So you can find her book, her blog, and connect with her at thepitch101.com. I'll put that link in the description on loudavision.com. So hi, Squeaky. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Laura. Hi. Hello. So tell us first about your book and how's it going to help content creators with our pitch? Okay. My book started about my journey of pitching 100 times. I started pitching different television and film projects in 2013. And I would get so far and then for some reason it didn't go all the way on air and what happened is I would feel rejected and it would stop me from the pitching process for at least four or five months on that project and then I would pick up another project develop a completely different show and set out on the journey again and I realized I was like I can't continue to do this like me not pitching for four to five months on a project is not going to work well for my career and so I set out on the journey to pitch 100 times because one, I wanted to rise above rejection. If, if it was rejection, the no I had to deal with, I wanted to get used to hearing it, going back out, fixing the issue, going back out as fast as I could. And it was through that process that I learned one, that no is not universal. So what's not good for one network or one studio house or producer or writer or whoever you're pitching, it's not the same with everyone else. Or it may not be the same with the next. It doesn't mean that my project doesn't work. Yeah. It means that it's just not right for where I had it or they just can't take any more projects. Over the course, I've learned so many different things about the reasons why they don't accept projects and learned to not take it so personally. And so I wanted to write a book about 
all of this. The things that I did learn that I was messing up on and the things that I was taking so dearly because these projects, they're our babies, right? And we take them so personally and then it feels like, oh, I suck at creating and we become dejected. Well, I wanted to be able to help people with that process. And then the second portion of my book was, okay, you know, I decided, Squeaky, you have a, a hell of a journey to tell, especially because before I even went on the journey, it was really just about telling my stories. And then I said, well, really let me journal moment to moment, what worked, what didn't work. And then I started coaching and consulting other people and I started journaling about what I was finding. And so then I took to network executives and I said, listen, this is my mission. My mission is one, to bridge the gap between the content creator and the networks, the studios, the higher ups. I need to bridge the gap. But before I do that, I need to know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what's stopping us from getting in the door. Why are there so few stories being told out there? Why are there many African-American or minority storytellers as well as why are there so few women storytellers out there? And I needed to be able to get the answer so that I can come back and I could help other content creators. Specifically, I do have a passion to get more African-American stories told and stories about women that are different from what we're seeing on air and in the theaters. And so that's what the book is about, pretty much. Sounds awesome. Thank you. So for those who are not familiar, so let's say we have a TV series that we're working on, but we don't have the money to create it from start to finish. What is the process for making that project successful? If you have a TV show, then, you know, I personally wouldn't create a full on TV show from start to finish. I would suggest if you are interested in pitching it, interested in getting it on network, so you want to pitch the network so you can get it on TV. Well, yeah, there's two options. You can shoot the TV show from start to finish if you want to. That's a lot of episodes. Or or you can take and you can go and shoot a sizzle of what the show would be about, a three to five minute sizzle. So after you have developed the show, and I want to repeat that, after you have developed the idea thoroughly, meaning not just that first pilot episode, you've written a script of what could potentially be a full on show, but you've developed out the show for a couple of seasons so that your idea is multidimensional, like it's complete, right? After you do that, then I would suggest you shooting a sizzle to give the mood, the tone to show who your characters are, just pulling in pieces of the show and then using that to shop it. Okay. Be my suggestion. I wouldn't spend money on anyone shooting an entire season or episode of shows for television because nine times out of 10, none of it will be used. You have to go through development. Even once you've developed your show, you're going to have to go through development with the network. Okay. So I only ask that because there's a lot of conflicting information out there. People who are filmmakers, they have an idea for a show. And I went down this road and it took me like two or three years to learn all that I've learned up till now. But when you have an idea for a series, I went out there and took a class on how to write a pilot. And then one teacher will have information about you have to write a pilot and then you have to have a pilot episode shot and have all these things. And that is putting you down the road of becoming a writer for TV. Which you don't have to be. Which you do not have to be. And it doesn't fit everyone. I mean, for me, I'm not interested in that. I'd rather be directing or behind the scenes in some other way. And then... 
learning that you don't actually have to shoot an entire pilot and you don't have to write every single script out for the entire series because likely if a a network comes along and they want your show, they're going to rewrite it anyway. So what do you mean when you say develop and the idea of the season? Like how much is involved with that? I'm glad you asked that because you're right about the conflicting stories that are being told. So when I talk about developing a season, the first mistake that many of us make are that we just go in with simply having a concept or an idea or this first pilot episode that's being written, right? But we haven't thought through every element of the show, what each episode would look like throughout. And so while I'm not suggesting that you write every episode out, you still kind of want to have an idea of where the arc of the season of the show, right? Where is this going? You wrote the pilot. Where's the rest of the show going? What's going to happen to Sally and John and Jim? Where do they go in the seventh episode and in the eighth episode? And so with that, when you're developing a show, everyone should come up with a show Bible. And in that show Bible, it's going to talk about the premise. It's going to talk about the character, the characteristics, the prototypes, what they are, who they are, the failures, what everything about these characters that you have developed to create multidimensional characters. But what happens is most people stop there. Most content creators develop these amazing characters. And the way I like to put it is, and then they're put on this blank slate because they haven't thought through the world of the show. Yes. Right. Where do they live? How do they exist? What does that look like? Paint that picture for us. Many people will say, well, that's set in Brooklyn. But what does this look like? Which part of Brooklyn There's different parts of Brooklyn? So explain what that looks like and how does that play? You know, because if you take a setting and you put it, you know, Brooklyn in the projects, that's one thing. But if you take it and put it in one of the elite eclectic parts of Brooklyn, then that's another look. Right. And so how do you do that? You write that out in the Bible. You paint those pictures for people so that these characters are great, but they also exist on this amazing canvas as well. And the canvas is the writing. It's how you built out what that backdrop looks like when people sit on their sofa and tune into your show. And so when you're developing this show, you develop all of these things. You develop out what characters and the descriptions. You develop the episodes. You know, it can be a paragraph. This is what's going to happen in these episodes. Episode one, this is going to happen. Episode two, this is going to happen. And you paint those pictures up through the arc and the finale of that season. And then you still want to give a kind of overview of what will happen in the second season and what would happen potentially in the third season. So you're not writing out every episode, but they can look at that and say, oh, I know where this is going. And they thought through the show. Okay. Because when you're doing that process, for example, coming up with all these possibilities for these characters, that's when someone might realize your show is probably better as a feature film because you don't have as many possibilities and ways for them to keep going. Well, yeah. To me, that's a decision that's made <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Much the process. It's like, that's a decision you make. Oh, I'm going to do a film or I'm just going to do a television show. And if you're going to do a film, then you're building out the acts and the structure of what that film would look like. And you're going to build a treatment then. You know, many people, and I've made this mistake before, Laura, where we just get to writing because we know we're writers, right? Some yeah. of us are writers and we just get to writing. And 
we're freestyling. We're just going and we're writing, but we haven't thought through all of what I just explained, what it looks like, right? Even if it's for a film. And so people have asked me, well, what if I'm not going to any investors and I'm going to shoot it with my own money? Do I need to do a Bible? Do I need to do a treatment? Because I got it in my head. (laughs) And to them, I say, absolutely. Because again, it's what's going to set you apart. Even if you have this film that you're doing, it's in your head. But how do other people understand what's going on in your head? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, even if you've explained them to it, they're taking their experiences, their own experiences. And when they were in those situations or those themes that you're explaining and they're putting their backdrops onto your idea. And so when it's time to carry this show out, they're not thinking like you. But if you put this in a treatment and if you give them visual ideas or some sort of lookbook where they can visualize what your farm looks like, what that deserted tunnel, that deserted space looks like or whatever, when you give them that, show them that visually, then everyone is on the same page. So these are things that I think should be done in the beginning. You decide, I have an idea, I want to do a TV show. I have an idea, I want to do a film. If it's a TV show, you know my ideas cannot run out. I have to stretch this over a season. How do I do that? And then you build that out through an outline. Okay, I know this is where we're ending up. This is the finale. This is what I want to happen by the end. What's happening in here, you know? Mm -hmm. And you build that out and put it in a Bible so people can follow along with you or a treatment so people can follow along because you got to get that to a production team. Yeah. I want to also explain to people how difficult it is because it seems like there are so many stories out there of these one in a million people like Lena Dunham, for example, like, oh, she just won some film festivals and someone discovered her. I mean, there are different ways of success for everyone and there are a million ways for anyone to be successful. But to get your TV show on the air... How does one do that in your experience? I think even with Lena, I would say it's a relationship game for the most part. It's building relationships. It's cultivating the relationship after you've built it. And it's not necessarily, hey, I'm going to connect with you and you leave the connection. And as long as you connect it, that's the end of the thing. That's the end of it. No, I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to keep communicating with you. I'm going to be in the places that you listen. Last night I went to an event because I've been trying to get in front of this one lady who I feel can fund an idea that I have. And this is the second event. The first event, I made the connection. I am on social media all the time, liking her posts. <laughs> and I made sure that I liked them before my first meeting. This is my second event that I put myself into. The first one, I knew that I was going to be going to this event and I knew I needed to get in front of her. And so I kept liking her post on Twitter. She has a heavy following on Twitter. I liked her post, like, kept liking her posts. And sometimes she poses these engaging questions. I answered her question about what my goal in life. I was like, oh, my God. And she liked it. So I said, "Okay, I'm getting noticed. So then I kept doing that. And finally, I said, oh, I can't wait to see you at this event on Monday. Never replied to that. Of course, I saw her. I made the connection. And so I scheduled a meeting with her. Hey, you know, I would like to meet. I had my 
15 second pitch because everybody was waiting to talk to her. So this is what I do. I would love to talk more about it. Is it possible that I can grab a quick chat? Yeah, absolutely. Take my number. We scheduled some time out. She was so busy that it took a month to get on the call with her. We said it, but they said it for a month away. And so we had the call. She said, no, 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 to three things. And she said, but I would be interested in connecting you with this person, a person that's always been on my list to connect to because he's big in the film festival industry. He owns a film festival that is ginormous. And so perfect. Cool. Then I had to say, well, Squeaky, you can't stop liking her tweet. Like, because now I'm an opportunity, right? I only was doing that because I wanted something from her. And so you have to continue to cultivate the relationship. And so, look, the the event yesterday was $79. Okay, cool. I'm going to go there. I'm going to be there. And I wanted to get into her face again. (laughs) Would you believe she wasn't there? (laughs) But it was the company that she worked for anyway. And because they had so many cameras, it's almost impossible for her not to know that I was there because the person on the stage called my name out, which was so awesome for me because I'm like, oh, good. Yes, this is going to be perfect. (laughs) But. I'm still cultivating. And then I went and I replied to another tweet because I thought I was going to get in front of her again. But this is me cultivating that relationship. And then I talked to another colleague that I know knew her. And she was like, oh, I mentioned your name. And I was like, please do. Like, I need her hearing my name so (laughs) that she feels like her and I need to partner and I need it for it to be her idea. And so to answer your question, we need to be cultivating these relationships so that Eventually, it seems like it's their idea. <laughs> yeah. you know, why don't you do a show about, oh, okay, yeah, why don't I bring that in? You know? And so I say, even with Lena, Lena had a lot of relationships before she went to the film. She did have the film festival thing, but I believe it was because she's had relationships that she had been cultivating. And that's how we're getting on to TV. I think now that as I'm cultivating relationships and I'm in so many development executives ear and I didn't go through the typical way that everybody would tend to go through. I said, hey, I need your advice for my book. That was one way I got through the door. Okay, hold that thought, Squeaky. So she used her book as a way to connect with people. And for me, I use my podcast in that very way. So we'll get right back to all this great information on pitching very soon. But for everyone listening, have you ever thought of creating your own podcast? It might be a good way for you to get your foot in the door or to meet new people. So the Louder Vision podcast was started as a way for me to learn from people I would otherwise never meet, like Squeaky, who's awesome. It's really fun, and I love being able to speak to great guests about whatever I I feel like I then get to share what I'm learning from them with you and it has increased my confidence a million percent anyone can have a podcast on any topic for any reason believe me and I'm gonna teach you how so go on over to loudervision.com and check out my quick course on how to hone your concept create record and share your very own podcast and it's all online so you learn at your own pace whenever and wherever you like Again, that's loudavision.com. And if you like coupons as much as I do, here's a coupon code for 10% off the course. Just use the code squeaky when you check out. I look forward to listening to your podcast very soon. I talk about on my blog and in the book about the big ask. And so many people, I wrote a couple of blogs about this because people don't listen. When people say, how did she get through the door? Oh, I, I had asked them to do this. Many people will walk away and say, really, you ask, how is that simple? But it really is. So few people are just asking or so few people are asking big that it leaves the door open for people who are actually asking or taking the risk to ask. 
it's leaving the door open for us because people are believing it just can't be that. Well, yeah, because a lot of these production companies and networks, they have a no solicitation. They won't take any content that was not asked for. You can't just go on this production company's website and send them your script anymore. Like, it doesn't work like that. So I think it's great that you say to cultivate a relationship. And with the internet, we now have so much information on who is working at these places that are our target production company or our target network. In my book, 100 Pitches, I talk about the research that is necessary for us to do to start cultivating the relationships. And I mean, my research is I'd be on Twitter looking at these people are mostly they're going to say, I'm going to go to IMDb Pro. And I'm going to look at to see who's at the company, what's the executive's name, and I'm going to get that. But even if I start there, I now have stalked them out on LinkedIn. I've Googled them. I'm following them. In fact, I've put a, an alert on Twitter. So every time they're on Twitter, I go on. Every time they say something, I go on. Or I know what they're saying, or I know what they're talking about, or I know that they have the cutest little dog. You know, and so I am just steadily alerted on their lives so that I can be in the know. And then I'm looking for information that has nothing to do with them on the development side. Right. I'm looking to see how we connect or how they're connected to the piece that I know I'm eventually pitch them with. Right. So if my show is about dogs, are they dog lovers? And if it's about a dog that helped save the life of a cancer patient. Do they know people that have cancer? Like maybe they're not a dog lover, but maybe they have the heart for people with breast cancer. I'm looking for that type of information to see how do I connect with them before I reach out to pitch. So my research goes deep. It's not about (laughs) the pitch itself. It's about the connection. And before you know it, I'm using their exact words in another way. So it almost feels like, oh my God, this is like, this is deja vu. And I'm like, really? Is it? Oh, okay. I know it is because I stalked. (laughs) They're like, get out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my head. Right, right, right. I'm like, if you only knew. (laughs) And it's impressive. I think I have a knack for writing an email to get through the door too, right? And I do give a lot of examples in the book of potentially how to write or I not only do I give examples, I show how they worked. I don't know if you've been on the blog, but even in some of my blogs or on the private group, I'll say, look, I just sent this email. Look how it worked for me. Look at the response I got back from it. It sometimes it proves that what I'm saying really works. And I say that to say, after I've done all this research, I don't mind lighting their fires. I use it to get through the door. And so I'll say, I'm pouring my heart like I'm so in love with them. Like, oh, my God, you 100 percent inspired me when you said blah, 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 blah. I cannot wait to watch this show. I think millions of moms around the world are going to be so in tune because. And first of all, most of the time, it's a show that just came out in the trades that, you know, I've read in the trades that said uh, Laura Mioli just got greenlit for Cats and Dogs, the show Cats and Dogs. And it just came out on the 16th. Then I'm going to put in an email. Oh, my God, this show is going to be so amazing. I'm a dog lover. And that's why I love your work, because when you decided to do the show on cats and dogs and how, you know, whatever I read, make sure I include that so that they can say, oh, my God, how does she know about that? Like she is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Not only is she praising me because we all want to be praised. Right. We all want to feel like we're doing something or we're making a difference. 
And even if you're Shonda Rhimes or someone major like that, you still have insecurities and you still want to be <laughs> praised. So you listen to it. They make you say, oh, oh, let me tune in. And if nothing else, give her a response to say, we don't take unsolicited potential. <laughs> But now it doesn't matter. For me, that doesn't ring anymore as rejection. It rings as, bingo, I'm starting a relationship. She okay. can put Quickie more now. She knows the name. Okay. So that when the time is right or when I do meet her in person, then she'll, oh, Squeaky, yeah, I remember you said that. You're the girl who praised me and knew what it was. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So once we have this connection and we have a meeting and it's probably going to be a week or a month in the future, how do we prepare for that pitch meeting without being completely anxious and freaking out? Again, you would have prepared for the meeting when you did the Bible, when you did okay. the speech, when you Like that's most of the preparation. Now, the pitch itself is just, I, you know, I think I look at pitches as being subjective okay. so that there's no one way. Right. Because your story may be about cats and dogs and mine is about cancer. There's no one way to start. But I can't say that there are things that definitely should show up. But the biggest secret to pitching is storytelling. I say that over and over and I'm still not certain that people get it, how big, how important it is. And no matter what you're doing, the Bible, the treatment, the pitch on person and email, it's about how can you tell a story and fit everything into the story that you're gonna tell. How can you build out an amazing story? And so what we do is we spend all of this time creating the project and we become stiff and suitish when it's time to pitch it. It's like, wait a minute, where's the creative person that wrote the, the project? You can't be this person. <laughs> now you're reading from the paper, you're saying my log line is, this is a story about, like what happened to the creativity there? Yeah. To tell the story from the heart. You know your story, you understand it, just tell it. And to start with the most important detail about it. Yeah, because a lot of us, we go to film school, for example, or we go to learn about how to make TV, and they don't teach you how to pitch because on TV, all we see about pitching is that it's like being a salesperson. And so I, I think that's why a lot of people think that you have to button up and be a salesperson. And it's not in our nature sometimes. I like to use the word buttoned up, but differently. I don't mean literally. I mean, if I can be very frank, have your shit together, right? That's what I mean by buttoned up. When you come, come where you totally know your stuff. You know your project. You understand that blank slate is colorful and you can describe it, right? That's what I mean by buttoned up. You can talk about your characters. You can talk about where the show is going to go, where it's going to end. You could speak passionately about it. That's what I mean, buttoned up. I don't mean go in there like, and you, of course you want to look nice, but I don't mean go in there and be like in a suit and not if that's not you. You should go in however it makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. You're not stinking. <laughs> <laughs> go in, you know, looking nice and put together, but comfortable so that you can be able to be creative in that room. Okay. So I like to engage in my pitch meetings and I teach people to be engaging. It's always about thinking, how can I engage them and make them talk back to me? Okay. See, that's a tip. Yeah, nobody, no, that's a great tip. Look, Laura, nobody knows that. Like you get in there, you're talking about the piece and that's fine. But like, how can I engage them? I want them talking back and not just bring out random things. No, how can I engage them with the show or the film that I've created? 
Yeah. And that's a tip I've used in teaching is that being able to teach someone something is best when it's asking questions, getting them to bring you the answer. And so incorporating that into a pitch is just genius. Mm -hmm. So if I had to offer anything, those are the two tips. Engage them, make them think, make them talk back to you and tell a story to keep telling a story, tell the story and build out a story. Like, you know, start it with the most important character and the most important conflict, maybe. Or you can choose to say, I'm going to start talking about what the premise of my story, which is the thing that sets them on this journey. That that happens right at the beginning. That's the reason why we watch the whole movie in the first place. We're coming to see how it's going to end. This is the thing that sets them on the journey. So maybe you decide, I'm going to start with, I'm going to engage them around the premise of the story. And then I'm going to start talking about my project throughout. So what if they're not going for it? What if you could just tell they're not into it? Well, if they're not going for it, they're not going for it. But listen, this is the thing. Maybe they're not going for it because it doesn't sync up with their mandate. That's neither here nor there. Because if your story doesn't work for them, it just doesn't work for them. I don't care how you pitch it. But what you can leave out there on the table is this. I will bring her back anytime because she came in buttoned up. She had her shit together. We just can't accept that show here or that film here, right? But I'll bring her back in because she's a great storyteller. She finished everything. She had multidimensional characters, multidimensional world. It just didn't work for me at this time, right? And that's fine. But you finish out your pitch. You finish doing what you do. And then you end it with some type of, you know, maybe you can say to them, you know, hey, I'm a storyteller at heart. So if this doesn't work, because I have a better understanding of your network or of your studio and what you're looking for now, you know, or you can ask, what are you looking for? And then finish with, now that I have a better understanding of your network and your studio, I want to create specifically for you. Do you mind if I, you know, if I have a great story to tell and I I built one out in the future, do you mind me reaching back out to you? That's again, developing that relationship now. Mm Mm-hmm. TV is changing a lot lately, and not every show is going to make it to cable or to a network. With all these streaming platforms, what have you seen in being able to adapt your project to fit the way people actually consume TV today? Well, people are creating for digital projects. I like to say that there's addendums to every project, right? So you may have a vision and you may say this is perfect for television, but all of the ideas or all of the networks you thought it was perfect for, let's say they said no. Then you start thinking outside of the box. Where can the show live? When I say addendums, to me, that's my, if I had to put it like I would put it, it would be Tyler Perry, that idea, right? Tyler Perry will take a stage play, make it a movie, and then that same show goes to TV for seven seasons. Same play with the same themes, the same characters, then go from a film to TV, right? You have to Tyler Perry that thing. You have to create addendums for it so that, okay, it didn't go there. I can make it a web series. I can do my own thing with it. Let me look into digital spaces. Who has the type of digital space? Can it live in the digital world where maybe it didn't go to your own network, but can it live on your digital space? NBC's digital platform. You know what I'm saying? Or who else has, you know, platforms that this could potentially live and we can do some sort of web sharing or they can buy it out and put it up there or they can acquire it. And that's something you can ask. You know, this, I just, for some reason, thought this show would be perfect for you 
oxygen. Thought it would be perfect for it. Let me ask, do you think this will be something if it was broken down into a smaller segment? Do you think it would be great for your digital space? Okay. So being flexible with your project. Mm-hmm. Well, I say you should always be flexible, period. Yes. But go for your goal. If your goal is television, fight until you can't fight it anymore. Until you're like, well, I've exhausted all of the networks. I thought I've pitched 10 different networks. Okay, let me just open my mind up to other avenues. And that's where the flexibility, I think, then should come in. Okay. Because sometimes people might give us ideas that we never even thought of, and it might work better. If you like it and you say that, because you said it might work better, mm-hmm. then absolutely go for it. Listen, I've been in pitch meetings and someone has said to me, oh, this is a good show. It'll be best if you do it with, in fact, let me give you a true example that just happened recently. I pitched a production company last year and they thought the idea would be good if done in the teen space. Okay. So I said, oh, okay. In fact, I went there, I pitched five ideas. They were interested in an idea that I wasn't even prepared to pitch, but I just went with the moment and started. I just made it up on the spot. And it was like, oh, that's a good idea. It would be really good if you can bring that back, but put it in the team space. I spent the year building it out. I didn't spend all my time doing it, but when I was ready, I was like, oh, let me see what this would look like. Let me play with this development of it. Mm-hmm. Went back, asked him, hey, can I come back in? You Remember that show you thought, blah, 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 blah. It's ready. It's ready. I would love to come in here. Uh, pitch it went in I even attached talent got the talent took them into the pitch meeting they loved it hey we want we might want to do some studio testing on this okay perfect we're going to bring this up to the higher ups this will be the next steps get back they took it to the higher ups the people that told me to do it for the team you know what I don't know if (laughs) this is really such an amazing show but I just feel like the teen space it's not going to work in the teen space (laughs) I stared at my email for so long, like, really? You don't think this is going to work for the team space? This was your suggestion. And I didn't say anything. I just said, listen, the way they explained it to me, it was ironically, I was talking to someone at Centric TV with the same idea. And she said, ah, our people, our demographics, they always want shows like the one you're pitching right now. She said, but they never show up for it. Hmm. So then when I got that email, And they had said the same thing about the teen space. Luckily, it had come behind that or I would have really been pissed. Like, you're the ones who told me this. Because they said that, I was just like, sure. okay, cool. I totally understand. However, I have some ideas brewing that I think would be perfect for you. Do you mind if I come back, you know, in the future? Once I've developed it, can I come back? And, you know, oh, my God, Squeaky, we love your work. Your work is so amazing. And this is such an amazing story and it needs to be told. I just don't think it's going to be right here, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Perfect. But I kept the door open. And so that's what matters most. And listen, even with that, I've already started working my addendum to it, taking the same idea and saying, okay, what I need to do is I need to move season two and season three up in my development, which was in the deck. They probably just didn't get that far through it. In my Bible, I mean, they probably just didn't get that far through it to realize that I had set the season two and the season three completely out of the team space. Okay. So I just made the quick adjustment. Oh, okay. I know what we got to do. We got to build out a show. I need to go ahead on and build out season two so that they can see it and then take season one, the original season, and put it back to season three. But it doesn't matter. They'll have a completely different show. Same thing, same everything. I'm just building out completely different episodes for an older demographic. Okay. 
That's great. So you're just being flexible. You'd be using your creativity. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I was on your Pitch 101 blog, mm-hmm. and I noticed in one of them that you wrote to know your why. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, I believe you're talking about the visibility piece, but no matter what you're talking about and no matter what it is, you should know why you wrote something, why you're doing it, why this story must be told. You know, I know my why about my book, for instance. I know that this book, I'm so passionate about more stories being told, specifically minority and women, that I am writing this book and I am on a mission to teach people what I know. That is my why. And why, and to further my why, it's because I felt dejected. And what did it do to me as a content creator when I was told no or because I can't get through the doors, a door that so many men can easily get through or other people can easily get through with worse projects that we go to movie theaters and we see and we support. And it's like, how did this make it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I know my why. And every project that I do, especially projects that I'm a big social issue person. So if I'm doing a story with a social issue that I'm affected by, I know my why behind it. It, This is why it affected me in my life. And this is the story that I want to tell. People connect to your story. That's why storytelling and pitching is so important because they connect to the story. They connect to the why more than they probably will the character. If they understand your why behind it or why this character is the way they are, that's where they're connecting to. People are connecting to common, you know, I may not understand the person that's experiencing cancer. I may not understand what they're actually going through when they're under the radiation, but I can understand the theme of losing a child. And if I am faced with death, I'm potentially losing my child because who's going to raise? So I can understand that thing, right? Yeah. If you're storytelling, storytell the why, your why, put it in, find a way to make those themes so pronounced that they become universal no matter what the story. Got it. So you want to touch people emotionally. Ethos, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I love that you give these practical tips for pitching, but also I really like that you incorporate your spiritual side in your advice and in your book. So I feel like we need a miracle sometimes to get our project to the next level. So how does your faith keep you going in this tough industry with so much rejection? And it's just tough. So, you know, I'm so glad you asked that because as I've been doing podcasts, I've been saying, what's the bigger picture? Like the book is such a small niche, right? It's pitching like, but it's my story. It's my why. What really am I offering people? What is really this book about? It was about, I went through last year was a very interesting, it was my year of development. And I realized that I was so spiritual and I really love God and I lacked faith. Atheists had more faith than I did. It may sound funny now, but that was a huge blow to me. Like, how can I be the biggest spiritual person in the world and have so little faith? So that was one thing on my journey, my development journey that I had to get a hold of. Value was another spiritual journey I went on, learning how to value myself and value my work. And why are these things important? Because you cannot go into a pitch meeting and not value yourself or your work and win. You can't win in a pitch meeting if you go in with the mentality of, 
is this good? Is it, uh, is it, uh? And I had to get a hold of that. My 100 pitches journey was about getting a hold of my faith and revaluing myself and the quality of my work. And I never now go into a pitch meeting. I didn't even get on this podcast today without doing the necessary work to build up my confidence in myself, to appreciate myself before I get on this call with Laura to talk about what I'm talking about. And so I had to develop a a routine, a morning routine to be able to reach out to people to say, I need to have a call. That takes a certain amount of gumption, a certain amount of balls, so to speak, to be able to get on there. Otherwise, when I get on, I sound wimpy and unsure of myself. And it's like, um, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I was trying to reach out to, um, you know, and I write about the moment. It's not about the spiritual side, but just the moment when I realized in my pitch, because I realized that was yet another pitch, pitching to try to break the proverbial wall of getting through the door or break the door down or whatever. To get through the gatekeeper is a pitch. And so I realized like sounding wimpy on the first 10 or so calls, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get through. I was like, who is the person that I should be speaking to if I had like trying to figure that out? I realized I had to be bold in order to get it down. And the moment I made the discovery, the next call was, I was calling, I will never forget, I was calling the Will Packer production company. And Will Packer is, he is the guy for all of the think like a man or think like a franchise, all of the stomp the yard type films. And now he has a 757 look deal with ABC or NBC, one of those. And so... I would never forget, by the time I got to them, I was just like, hi, um, yes, I'm looking to speak to, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to make up a name because I don't want to block the name out like that, but hey, I'm calling to speak to Kathy. Okay. May I tell her who's calling? Like, yes. Let her know Squeaky for more Squeaky Productions is calling. <laughs> nice. And then the guy was like, oh, um, okay, okay, hold on, Squeaky. And then he came back because now he's unsure. Yeah. Um, Squeaky, uh, what, I'm sorry, what production company? Oh, just tell her Squeaky from more Squeaky Productions. Yeah, like, she'll know. I didn't say it, but that was the inflection <laughs> in my voice. Yes. <laughs> Squeaky from more Squeaky Productions. And he was like, okay, I'm, okay, hold one moment. <laughs> and he put me right through the her. And I go on with my spiel. Now I'm in full pitch mode. And she goes, wait a minute, what production company <laughs> are you calling from? And I'm like, okay. And I had to go ahead on and be frank with her. Okay, Kathy. Okay, so let me just tell you, like, but here's the deal. I really wanted to make a connection with you, Kathy. I really thought what I have to offer is so amazing. And I understand the whole unsolicited thing, but I wanted to be able to make the connection of nothing else. Oh, okay. And then she says, yeah, we don't do unsolicited materials, but maybe if you have a very small budget project or um, maybe even something for the digital space, we'll take a look at it. Being gone, made the connection. All I need to do, right? But every morning I get up, and I'm not joking. Every I call it the miracle morning. I read a book by Hal Elrod called The Miracle Morning. And of course, I've kind of added my own stuff into it. I do over 100 affirmations. I am not kidding you. I wake up and I meditate. I visualize myself making these calls. I visualize myself pitching, telling the story. And then I do affirmations. By the time I do these affirmations, I am like ready to jump off the building and like (laughs) God is going to catch me if I leap. Then you have to read something, read something for 10 minutes that makes you smarter. And part of my reading, my reading goes a little longer. Of course, that's when I do my devotion with God. And another thing that I had to do to tackle my faith 
was I had to go through the Bible and I had to go and understand who God was again. And I had to say, what has he promised me? And I wrote a list of promises that he made to me. And I read those and affirm those. Every I just put my name in them. Hey, you said that you would give me the desires of my heart. And I do those plus the other affirmations. And I am soaring by the time it's time for me to go and tell my story. And what it is, is the people that are accepting me, because I write down an agenda. Sometimes I want to talk to them about three or four different things, because not am I looking to pitch, but I, I have a business too. And I'm trying to bridge the gap for independent content creators. Can you come to my next boot camp? This is my big idea. Once this happens, can I come back and have a conversation with you? Because I want your network to be the platform in which I get all of these independent content creators that I vetted and their works. I need to be able to put them on your network. Can I do that? So it's all of these different things. So I write out my agenda. But when I'm talking, I'm bold. I'm like, look, I got this idea. And then, okay, cool. And the next two things I want to talk about is this. And they respect the confidence that I have. You know what I'm saying? And it's only because I've spent the hour building myself up for the call. And that way nobody can tear you down, even a no or a hang up or whatever, however bad it can end up. But it can't end up bad. Because if I go there buttoned up and I'm confident, I've established a relationship. The deal may not go through, but I have a relationship. I can walk through the door anytime as long as they're behind the door. That's a win to me. I've won. And so when you reframe your thinking around that, saying, okay, if this is right or if it's wrong, that's neither here nor there. I have a relationship. If I can't get my project through the door, I got hundreds of people coming to me about their projects because people feel like Squeaky can make it happen. And I'm like, why do y'all feel like (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Why do y'all feel like I'm the one that can, I can't even make my own. I'm trying to make my own stuff. But the truth, people believe that I can do it. So I have to go through there and do it for them, right? And so Maybe it's not my project, but I can be executive producing or producing on another project. And that may be the one. Hey, as long as my people are getting through the door, by all means, it still helps me, you know? Of course. So as long as I'm able to build the relationship, I've won. As long as I can come back with another idea, I've won. It's perfect. Thanks, Squeaky. To connect with Squeaky more, you can go to thepitch101.com or follow her on Twitter or Instagram at Squeaky More. She's also on Facebook at The Pitch 101 and her book, 100 Pitches, Mistakes I've Made So You Don't Have To, is available now. I'll put all those links in the description on loudavision.com. As for me, I'm filmmaker, artist, and your host, Laura Mioli. You can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Loudavision. And you can listen to more of these podcasts, read my blog, watch my videos, and contact me. Just go to loudavision.com. If you like what you've heard, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, but don't go away. Since you like podcasts so much, here's another podcast which you would love. I'll let them tell you about it. (laughs) Hi, I'm Internet's T. Sterling Watson, benevolent founder of the Indube Network and host of the Indube Podcast, a bi-weekly program as blurdy and eclectic as I am, with topics ranging from music, film, history, culture, time travel, marshmallows, religion, and the brilliance of J.J. Abrams. Search and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever podcasts are procured. Also, please support the Indube Network on Patreon. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production. Hey everyone, I'm Courtney Hinton of Verve House Collective and you should join me over on the Get Verved podcast. 
on the Get Birthed podcast, we discuss creativity, how to fit creativity into your busy life, and leading a life or business with intention. I often have other guests on the show to talk about these things with me as we get to the bottom of this whole living your passion thing. The Get Verved podcast is part of Verve House Collective, and I cannot wait to sit down with you in the digital coffee house.